you know, visualize the mirror field and all the sentient beings around us. And, uh, yeah, really think about the sentient beings around you and, uh, like CPAC is going on right now, you know, the, the conservative political conference of which Donnie is a star. And uh, there's a war in Ukraine. There's the uh, storms in California. California's having a lot of snow. Yeah. My sister said she feels like she's going to float away. Her area is having rain, not snow. You know, there's so many sentient beings all over experiencing so many different things. Yeah, so let's include them all in our visualization and not just say, well, it's the people I like who are around me who I'm going to, you know, I want to meet the Dharma and all the rest of them I don't care about. No. Try and open our hearts So as samsara beings, we uh, are under the influence, under the control of afflictions and karma. And yet uh, we don't feel like we are. We feel like we're independent beings who can make up our own mind and, you know, be our own person. And yet, when we start uh, examining things more closely and looking at our life and how things unfold in our life, we see how much uh, previous actions, previous decisions, previous ways of thinking earlier in this life and also in previous lives, how they influence uh, what we experience now and also what we do now. So this is um, this self image of being independent is uh, independent from other living beings, independent from our own previous actions independent from all the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas that are desperately trying to help us, but are meeting with our uh, pushback. Uh, we're not, we're a composite phenomena. We're made of many parts. 
They have many different causes, many different uh, things affecting us. And there's no independent self-instituting person there who's running the show. It's very important for us to uh, develop wisdom regarding cause and effect. Because if we can develop that wisdom, then we can shape our lives, shape the future different, differently. But even as we try and shape things differently, we still run into the fact that there's lots of causes and conditions behind us. And we have to learn to work with them or change them or whatever. And so every other sentient being, especially ordinary sentient beings, are in the same predicament. So in the text, when we see the term wandering sentient beings, that's really an accurate term, wandering. We're just wandering. Here, there, doing this, doing that, not knowing exactly why we're doing anything, just following whatever impulse there is in our mind. So here we see the need for compassion and wisdom compassion to know that ourselves and others are stuck in this mess and wisdom so that we can help get ourselves and others out of it. And so with this kind of motivation, let's hear what Shantideva says about exchanging, equalizing and exchanging self and others. So before we get into Shantideva, um, yeah, something happened in the news this week that's making me uh, 
you know how I take these things and look at them through Dharma. So there's been this um, big trial going on in South Dakota, no, South Carolina. And uh, there's a man from a very prestigious family of lawyers uh, who was on trial for killing his wife and his son. And, you know, here's this guy, the whole family, I mean, from great-grandfather, you know, whatever, really big, prestigious family in the area. They were all lawyers, so this guy's a lawyer. And uh, he had a, this very good, um, uh, you know, the story about the monk who either had to drink alcohol or um, kill somebody, kill the sheep or whatever. You, you remember that story? Okay. So it's kind of like that. He got a cocaine, uh, no, an oxycodone, yeah, an opium addiction. And uh, so when you have an opium addiction, you need a lot of money. So he was... Um, swindling money from his law firm, um, you know, millions of dollars, not only from his law firm, but from clients and other people. So he was in a huge financial debt, and he had this addiction. And, uh, and then his wife and his son were murdered. Okay. So there's no direct evidence linking him to the murder. They don't have the weapons. There was no DNA evidence, you know. But the timeline of where he was, you know, and when she was murdered and so on, he fits right into that, like he was uh, creating an alibi to make it look like he wasn't the one who killed her and, and his son. So it really made me think of that story, you know, when you have a drug addiction, you know. But of course, people who have drug addictions say, I don't have a drug addiction. <laughs> people who are alcoholics say, I'm not an alcoholic. I didn't drink for, you know, for pleasure. I'm not an alcoholic. Yeah. But um, to see how that played into this whole thing of stealing yeah, white-collar stealing. I mean, millions of dollars. And and then murder. And so he, here he was when I was talking about people being pushed by their previous karma and not being able to make clear, you know, see things clearly. You know, this was a very good uh, illustration of that. Um, when at one point um, he decided to testify himself, which, uh, you know, the, the lawyers usually recommend against, you know, because you could easily wind up lying. So when he was on the stand, he said, yes, I had an addiction. Yes, I did all these other things, but I didn't kill my wife and son, you know. And he was crying and sobbing. And 
it was very interesting after uh, he the the jury that they were listening they listened to 75 witnesses over 6 weeks and they came to a conclusion in less than 3 hours that's how long the jury deliberated less than 3 hours and they found him guilty and one of the uh, jurors was saying, because they interviewed him, and they said, you know, oh, when he was sobbing on the stand and he showed so much regret for his other actions and stated he didn't, you know, kill his wife and son, you know, don't you think he was sincere? And the jurors said, there were no tears coming out of his eyes. It was a show. He said, I looked him in the eyes. I said, there were no tears. So in just thinking about this whole thing, it's like you see people's lives start out one way and then karma from the past, present conditions. If he had been born in another family that wasn't a legal prominent, family in the area, things would have been different. Yeah. Um, you know, if he didn't have this drug addiction, things would have been different. If he had made different decisions, you know, along the way. Um, but you just kind of see a, a, a life um, pushed by karma and afflictions, you know, Things from the past, habits from the past, yeah. And and you look at what he did. If you look at the five precepts, killing, stealing, sexual misconduct he didn't do, but he did lying, and he did intoxicants. All four of them. And for somebody who was what had was had it made, so to speak, yeah? So uh, the moral, don't uh, use your wisdom around people just because they look like they're the, the big ones in society. There's often a lot going on under the surface. But to see and, and how he, he was pushed in that way and have compassion for somebody who, you know, got involved in such kind of negativity, yeah? Instead of saying, oh, he deserved it, da-da-da-da-da. But, uh, yeah. So to try it, you know, and you look at, at your own life and, and people's lives, you know, look at it through that thing of, you know, we're, we're under the control of karma and afflictions. Because we say that all the time, but we don't really feel like we are. You know? Do we? We feel, oh, I'm, I'm here. I'm making, I'm going to make good decisions in my life. I'm not going to do something stupid. And how many times have we found ourselves doing something stupid? Yeah. 
Yeah. And on the other side of it, too, it's not just negative karma pushing us, but how many times in our life has some positive karma from the past ripened? And we've made really good decisions um, or encountered very good circumstances that it seems rather astounding that we happen to meet. Yeah. I think many of us, when we think of how in the world did, did we meet the Dharma, it's like, you know, there's no, it wasn't any independent me who was looking for Buddhism and looking for the Dharma. So many of us just, you know, bumped into it somewhere along the way. Yeah. yeah. So that was from planting uh, good karmic seeds in our mind in previous lives. Okay, so I guess we should go back to Shanti Deva. But, you know, I tend to share the things that I'm thinking about, especially when I, I see real-life events. Yeah, yeah. And I was thinking, you know, because of our, the work we do with prisons, prisoners, you know, like, oh, I wonder if he, if he will write to us sometime, you know? Will he meet the Dharma in prison? I don't know, people who are incarcerated, how they meet the Dharma. Yeah. Do we have very many, you know? Yeah. So he might kind of bump into somebody who might give him a book. He might think a little bit. We'll see. He, he was given two consecutive life sentences. His release date is 99, 99, 99, 99. Or no, maybe that was somebody else I was reading about. But anyway, long prison sentence. Yeah. And it's amazing when, you know, babies are born and you look at the baby and you don't think that baby's going to you know, wind up in prison. But, and what's very strange, you know, about this thing, it, the judge really blew me away. I wasn't following the whole trial. I just, the last couple of days, you know, I just like, I didn't look at it the whole time. Uh, then I looked at it. The judge had uh, lost his his son had died a few weeks or a few months ago. Yeah. And so here's a judge who's mourning his son and somebody on trial who's mourning his son. The judge said, you know, I, um, for the death of, you know, so-and-so, your son, who I'm sure you love very much, you know, I'm sentencing you to, you know, life in prison. But so, you know, both of them mourning their, their kids, but for very different reasons and different circumstances. And the judge also blew me away, because when he was talking to him, right, as he was giving the sentence, the judge was 
he just spoke in a very, he wasn't angry, he wasn't brutal in what he was saying. Sometimes judges can be really harsh, um, and they need to be. But in this case, he, he uh, you know, he said, yes, you killed him. But, you know, the whole time, this guy was saying, no, somebody else did it, but he couldn't point to who. So the judge said, yes, you killed him, but maybe somebody else did kill him. Because somebody who, ha you know, has an opium addiction is a totally different person than who you are now. Yeah? But there's a continuum. And so that was done in the past. This has to be dealt. You know, the result has to come now. I thought that was very... There was compassion in there, you know? But also, it's true, he wasn't the same person. And we weren't the same person who did stupid things in our previous lives. And we also aren't the same person who did smart things in our previous lives either. Yeah. But there's a continuum. And so, you know, all of that influences us. Okay. So actually that fits in with something Shanti Dev is going to say if I ever get back to the book. <laughs> okay, so verse 94. Hence, I should dispel the misery of others because it is suffering just like my own. And I should benefit others because they are sentient beings just like myself. Okay, so here, you know, this is the conclusion that comes from, uh, you know, really thinking deeply about how everybody wants happiness and nobody wants suffering. And uh, how, yeah, that's it. So why am I just con so concerned with myself? Because when other people hurt, it's just like I hurt. Yeah. So to benefit them like I benefit myself. Okay. Now, it sounds very good. It makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Yeah, don't you agree? Yeah. And then that little three-letter word. But! <laughs> but! Yeah, there... Their suffering doesn't affect me. Why should I help them? Yeah, I didn't create the causes leading to their suffering, so why should I suffer trying to helping them? If, I, if I'm compassionate, I will suffer. Compassion makes me hurt and sad inside. So why should I help them? Okay, we have a lot of reasons. Yeah, that's their suffering, you know. They brought it on themselves. Yeah. They should have picked themselves up by their own bootstraps. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds very reasonable, isn't it? You know, everybody's responsible for themselves. 
So why should I, why should I stick my nose in other people's business? Yeah, I'm just being a busybody doing that. I mean, what is the difference between being a busybody and being a bodhisattva? They both start with B, you know. But it's true. I mean, because there are people who are busybodies. You know, we talked last week, too, about people who want to save everybody. You know, they're the savior. Oh, somebody said, I'm going to help you. Know, somebody said, oh, I'm going to I can't stand to see anybody suffering. Let me go here. Yeah? Yeah? We know people like that. Maybe we are that kind of person. And we stick our nose everywhere because we want to save everybody. Yeah? Because when we save people... Then there's a there's a very in, a whole lot of psychological fulfillment that we get from that. That isn't necessarily coming from compassion. That's not saying we shouldn't help people. Yeah, we should, but to to really keep our motivation clean and to to not be a busybody and stick our nose in in places where our noses don't belong. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you have a big nose, it could be really dangerous. <laughs> okay. Okay. So when both myself and others are similar in that we wish to be happy. Oh, yes, yes, yeah, that's true. We're all similar. Then... What is so special about me? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> There's many things, reasons why I am special and why my suffering hurts more than anybody else's and my happiness is more important than everybody else's. You know, what's so special about me? Because I am me. That's all I need to do is just be me. No other criteria make me more than, important than anybody else. Is there? Can you think of any other reason? Why you're more? Yeah, we can think of a few. I'm more important because I vacuum the floor and see how responsible I am, you know? But it's usually, why am I more important? Because I'm me, that's it. That's it. Okay, what is so special about me? Why do I strive for my happiness alone? Why? Because I'm the only person whose happiness I can really create the cause for. I can't create the cause for anybody else's happiness. They create their own karma, so why should I help them? I better, you know, practice the path, get myself out of samsara, because I, I can't take any, I can't hold them by the hand and take them out. I'm the only one who can get myself out. So, you know, I should, you know, what is it? I should look out for myself because if I don't do that, who will look out for me? So, Shanti Dever, what do you have to say about that? Well, he has something to say. In verse 96, he says, and when both myself and others are similar in that we do not wish to suffer, 
What is so special about me? Why do I protect myself and not others? And again, we have a reply to that too. You know, why Shantideva is wrong. But if we really stop and think about it, you know, is he wrong? If we stop, um, you know, if we stop being good Americans, yeah, who, yeah, we got it all together, yeah. We picked ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We're responsible people. We are that this nation is exceptional. And we're its citizens. So we're exceptional. So that's why what is so special about me? Well, whatever your religion is, whatever your nationality is, whatever your ethnic group is, whatever your family is, that's why I'm special, you know? Or if you're an athlete or a movie star, I was on the front page of the New York Times. Yeah, they interviewed me. So why do I protect myself and not others? Because I am more important. Okay, maybe not the New York Times, but I was on the front page of the Dharma News for this month. So I'm really important. Yeah, everybody who read the e-news saw me. Yeah, maybe there were even two pictures of me. Yeah, Nick and Aiden really hit it. You know, they were all they're all over the the was it the the um. It was either the e-news or the, or the annual report, one of the two, you know. Like, forget the monks and nuns, but Aiden and Nick were like, here we are. But they weren't trying to be anywhere. They, we just put them there. Okay. <laughs> okay. So why do I protect myself and not others? Why? Yeah, other people's pain doesn't bother me. Anyway, they all have high pain tolerance. So their pain doesn't hurt very much. Or they're big fat babies, and so they cry when they have pain. (laughs) So why should I help a big fat baby who cries? You know, they need to grow up and start, stop, you know, crying when something happens that they don't like. You have lots of good reasons. Okay, then verse 97. So here we're, we're coming to, yeah, the, the way I just explained those last two verses isn't the way Shanti Deva meant them, but it worked that way because we are having to look inside and ask ourselves that, that question, you know? And eventually, some eon, we will come up with the answer of, Nothing is so special about me. Yeah. Why do I protect myself and not others? Because I'm self centered. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, how often when, you know, because as a Sangha community, you know, we're supposed to give each other advice and everything. And, you know, when people break precepts, bring that up to them and, you know, and so somebody might come and say to you, you know, uh, you were on uh, dishes today and you didn't show up. Why didn't you show up? Yeah. Would you dare say, because I'm self-centered? <laughs> That's the actual reason, isn't it? That's the actual truthful reason. But we say, oh, I forgot. Yeah. Or, oh, I thought there were enough people on dishes already. I didn't need to go. Yeah. Or, Oh, you know, I, I, I did the dishes last week and we, and we changed today. So I'm no longer, we have some reason, but what's the real reason? <laughs> yeah. I didn't feel like it, which means I'm, I'm self-centered. You know, I made a decision based on just what makes me feel good and forget about everybody else. And dream up a lot of excuses that I think, that I re think other people are going to believe. Yeah. When you make excuses, I mean, we, we think other people are really going to make, believe our excuses. Don't we? Yeah. And we have a lot of excuses. And we want to explain because actually our excuses are not excuses. Yeah. They're the truth. Yeah, and we have to tell you the story behind what happened so that you will see that the reason I didn't show up was a good reason. I'm not making excuses. Yeah, you are attacking me without any reason. Yeah. So let me explain myself. Blah, 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 blah. Four hours later. Yeah, because yeah, then we have to explain how we're not the, the guilty one, but how somebody else did X, Y, and Z. So, you know, we should point our finger towards that person, not towards me, you know. And we expect other people to believe all that. Yeah. Oh, I really meant to. I meant to be there. Yeah. I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should try telling the truth. Yeah. I was tired. I wanted to lay down, and I cherish myself more than everybody else in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah? I mean, why don't we tell the truth? Because <laughs> everybody knows that's what's going on. <laughs> okay. So 97. Yeah, now, now our self-centered mind is, is uh, going to speak up. Why should I protect them if their suffering does not cause me any harm? Yeah? Why should I, I protect them? Their suffering doesn't cause me any harm. 
Yeah, they got themselves into it. They can get themselves out of it. Yeah. And anyway, I don't want to be, you know, a savior for the world. Yeah, why should I protect them? Their suffering doesn't cause me any harm. Maybe from this they will learn something. Yeah, they're having a taste of their own medicine. Okay, then the rest of the verse says, okay, so we say that to Shantideva, or we say that to ourselves, and then we respond to ourselves. This is a conversation between our self-centered attitude and our wisdom mind. Okay, so then the wisdom mind says, Okay, well then why protect myself against future suffering if it causes me no harm now? Hmm. So I'll think of a reason. Yeah. But that's a good question, isn't it? Yeah. Why don't I I care for, uh, you know, others? Because their suffering doesn't affect me. Yeah. Well, my suffering from next year my suffering in future lives, I'm not, you know, it causes me no harm right now. So why should I, you know, do things to create the cause of happiness in this life and in future lives? Yeah. Why should I, just even looking at it from a worldly point of view, okay? Yeah, the person I'm going to be when I'm old is not me now. They're not, you know, I'm not, their suffering is not harming me now. So why should I care about the person that I'm going to be when I'm old? It's a good question because we do care about that person because you work and you save money and you, you know, collect all your certificates and your your electronic scrapbook and you have everything arranged so you can have a nice old age um you know watching tv and and watching all the pictures of everything you you did when you were young so we do care about our our old age self and so we act now to create causes for that person to be happy. I mean, it's true, isn't it, in society what people do? Yeah. And it's like, oh, i got to figure out what I'm going to do after I retire and if I have enough money. And, you know, thank goodness for Medicare, but Social Security doesn't give me a lot. So I better do this and this and this so that I have enough money so that, you know, I'm not destitute and out on the street when I'm old. And we, we, you know, so we work hard for the person that we're going to be, even though that person's suffering is not affecting us now. And we're not even sure that we're going to live to be that old. But we still take care of our future suffering. Okay. So then if we come back to Shantideva's question, you know, or, or the question we put forth, why should I protect others if their suffering doesn't cause me any harm? Then why should I care about what happens to me when I'm old? Because that person's harm is not bothering me now. It's a good question, isn't it? But the idea, you know, of 
you know, it depends how you were raised, but you know, if the idea of not preparing for your old age, that's like, that's horrible. Yeah. Do your parents talk, talk to you about that? No? Yeah. When I wanted to ordain, my grandma said, if you leave your husband and you don't have any kids, what's going to happen to you when you're old? Yeah. I was in my 20s. And she was asking me that question because that's, you know, how she, what she had to do in her life. Yeah. Of course, she was old. Her husband had died. She wasn't living with her kids. You know, my dad supported her, but so it, it was interesting. But, uh, you know, we take care of that person who we think we're going to be. Why don't we take care of everybody else? Because it is the same that their suffering isn't bothering me. Why should I care? We, we should, yeah. Do you have reasons why you should care? Yeah, my grandma will give you some reasons. <laughs> she just did. Yeah. You should get married and have a family and have kids. And then they, that's how you prepare for your old age. Because they will help you. Yeah. Or you should save a lot of money and have a, what is it, a 401k and a, an IRA and a, I can't even, all these letters, you know. It's, uh, you know, so we have to have our stocks and our bonds, you know, and, and all this, our investments, so that we can take care of who we are when we're old. And we don't even know if we're going to live that long. Okay. So, so think about these questions that, that Shantideva is asking. 98. It is a mistaken conception to think that I shall experience the suffering of my next life. For it is another person who dies and another that will be reborn. So in response to the question in the previous verse, why should I protect myself against future suffering if it causes me no harm now? In response to that, you know, our mind said, well, because I'll experience that suffering in the future. So I should prepare for it now. I shouldn't be unprepared. I mean, the whole society is telling me I should be prepared, right? Yeah. It's telling me two contradictory things. One is I should have a very good time and spend a lot of money doing it now. And I should save all my money and prepare for, you know, being an old person uh, so I can go on cruises. Boring. <laughs> yeah. So, so there, you know, what's society telling us? Two contradictory things. Spend your money now and live it up and save it so that you can spend it later living it up and playing 
uh, shuffleboard on a cruise ship. <laughs> You're not uh, smiling. You don't want to play shuffleboard on a cruise ship. Oh, you do? Okay. <laughs> Maybe watch movies on a cruise ship? That that might be a little bit more interesting. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. So Shanti Devo puts that back to us. It's a mistaken conception to think that I shall experience... Uh, this is what we're, our self-cherishing thought is. Um, it's a mistaken uh, conception to think that I shall experience the suffering of my next life because it's another person who dies, another person that will be reborn. So you hear lots of people say that when they learn about the karma and future lives. They say, oh, some other dude who's getting, <laughs> who's getting reborn is not me. So why should I, you know, kind of sacrifice my happiness now to create some good karma for that person in the future life when they're not me and they're not even going to remember me? Yeah. I mean, we don't remember our previous lives. Yeah. Do you go around thanking your previous life? No, there was some other person. Yeah. Some other person. So... Yeah, my future life is going to be, again, some other person. Why should I bother? Mm -hmm. Because it is, you know? Yeah, do you think you're going on to your next life? Yeah, are you going to come out of your, your mother's womb in your next life? You know, looking like you look now, thinking the same way? Yeah. Who knows what realm we're going to be born into? Maybe, you know, next life we come out looking like a baby squirrel. Yeah? That's not me. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the squirrel. I'm me. The squirrel's the squirrel. There's no connection between us. If there's no connection between us, then there's also no connection between me and who I am when I'm old. But we know there's a connection between us and when we're old. And if I'm not connected to the future life, then how am I even connected to the baby that I was? Yeah. Now we know we are connected to our childhood. Yeah, that person in the child when we were, we were in a child. I am definitely experiencing the results of what that child experienced. Not the results of what that child did, like throw rocks at other people and lie and break into people's houses. I'm not experiencing the result of that, but all the harmful things people did to me, I'm now experiencing the result of. So I am a product of the child I was, and it's always other people's fault why I'm such a mess. Yeah, but that's the, the only part of the continuum that I'm concerned with. Yeah, I'm connected to the past me. I'm not con connected to the old person. I'm not connected to the next life. 
it's funny how we think, isn't it? Yeah? Why do we think I'm on, only connected to the child who I was in this life? Yeah? We're connected to all these previous lives. We're experiencing the results. We're going to, you know, be connected to all these future lives and experience results. Yeah. Okay. So it is another person who dies and another that will be reborn. Well, how do you refute that if somebody says that? It's another person. Yeah? It's not you. Yeah? I mean, you come out of the womb, you're going to think different. You have a different name. You have a different body. It's not you. So how are you connected to that previous life, to that future life? Yeah. Do you remember when we talked about the general eye and the specific eye? Yeah, this is where, where it comes in. Okay. Because in one lifetime, there's a specific eye. That eye is born and that eye dies. So there's a specific eye for each lifetime. You know? Okay. So there's, uh, in Maitri's case, yeah? There's Maitri for this life. You know, maybe her previous life, she was, uh, you know, Penelope. And, you know, some totally different person. Yeah. She was Penelope the, the moose. Yeah, we saw two moose the other day, big ones. Yeah. So maybe, you know, she was a moose. And this year she's my, uh, this lifetime she's my tree. Next lifetime she's going to be venerable somebody or another. Yeah, she better be after. <laughs> after all the time I'm trying to teach her. You know? <laughs> so it is another person who dies and is reborn, but it isn't another person who dies and be reborn. In terms of the general eye, that whole continuity, yeah, of the person, yes, it is. But we don't recognize that. And even if we do, well, it's not harming me now, so why should I care about it? Yeah. That's kind of like... You know, when you're in high school or college or grammar school and there's a test coming up, and it's like, well, you know, it, the test isn't happening today, so I don't need to study today. You know, I'll wait until the very last moment to study. And that's what we think we'll do for this lifetime, too. Live it up in the very last moment. And this is what some religions are based on, isn't it? The very last moment, you, you know, confess and whatever. Yeah. Then you're saved. Okay. And verse 99. Surely, whenever there is suffering, the sufferers must protect themselves from it. Who's saying that? 
The self-centered mind, isn't it? Yeah. Surely. Yeah. Turkey, they had all the, these earthquakes. I mean, it's their own fault that their buildings crumbled down. All the contractors didn't build them well because the, they don't have good uh, building codes. So that's why, you know, over 50,000 people, unbelievable, died in earthquakes and probably more. Um, but, you know, they're responsible for themselves. So why, why should I help? I mean, they're halfway across the world. Yeah. And anyway, the Turkish government, they don't want Finland and Sweden to join NATO. That's stupid. They shouldn't want them to do it. How can they refuse? God, no, 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 no. Yeah. Well, we confuse the government with the populace. Yeah. Did you know that? That Sweden and Finland want to join NATO. And Turkey doesn't want them to. Because there's Kurds in, in, uh, Finland and, and Sweden. And Turkey has a large Kurdish community which wants, they want to have their own country because there's Kurds in, in Iraq, you know, and Turkey. They want their own country, but their countries don't want them to have their own country. So you have that all going on. So why should I help those people? You know, why should I help people in Syria? You know, what's his name? Assad. You know, that guy, what happened to him? He was an ophthalmologist. He could do so much good helping people, but he's made himself blind and become really, yeah, really whatever, you know. What happened to him? So, why should I help the people? Yeah, if they, if they uh, elect people like that, yeah. You notice how dictators are elected nowadays? Yeah. When I was little, dictators just took over the country. Now they, they get, get themselves elected. Very clever. Very clever. Okay. So surely whenever there is suffering, the sufferers must protect themselves from it. So I don't care. Then Shantideva says, Yet the suffering of the foot is not that of the hand. Why then does one protect the other? Yeah, the foot stepped on a rusty nail and the hand takes the rusty nail out. Yeah, why does the hand help the foot? They're, they're two different things. Yeah, so we could say that regarding other people. Why should I help other people? They're not, they're not me. Yeah, but the hand helps the foot. Why does the hand help the foot? Because there's an awareness that they're part of the same organism. So aren't we part of the same organism of sentient life? Well, yeah, we are. And that's why people should take care of me. <laughs> that's why people should be nice to me. 
<laughs> yeah. But couldn't, couldn't you imagine? I mean, next time your hand does something, next time you put on your socks in the morning, okay, because your feet don't put on its own socks. Does it? Your hand helps. Your hand helps put on the socks. You know, have a little dialogue between your foot and your hand. Ding. <laughs> What's that about? Yeah. But have 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 a little dialogue. Hand. Come on. <laughs> you got the wrong sock on the wrong foot. Stupid. <laughs> Switch them around. Can't you read R and L <laughs> on your socks? <laughs> it used to be so simple when we were little. There weren't socks for your right and left foot. You just had to make sure you got two matching socks. Now, it doesn't matter if you have matching socks. In fact, it's kind of in not to have matching socks. Yeah. But you have to have the left on the left and the right on the right. Yeah. Some of you look puzzled. You don't know that it's in to have socks that don't match? Yeah, try it. <laughs> Everybody will ooh and ah. <laughs> okay. So why does the, yeah, that's, the hand doesn't go, well, look, foot, you know. Yeah, okay. You wear the sock, but you can't put it on yourself. What's wrong with you? Yeah. Why do you expect me to put your sock on you when it's your sock who's wearing it and making it dirty, not me? Yeah. Imagine that conversation between your hand and your sock. I mean, your hand and your foot and your foot going... Well, who do you think you are? Some, you know, some big hand. <laughs> yeah. Or a hand, so what? Yeah. Look where you put that hand. You're not so clean as yourself. <laughs> uh, so don't pick on me, hand. Just put the sock on and shut up. <laughs> yeah. But that's, that's not what happens. The hand just very happily puts the sock on. Yeah. So wouldn't it be nice? I mean, think about it a minute. Wouldn't it be nice not to have that self-centered mind that every time there was the opportunity to do some small thing that was nice for somebody... Wouldn't it be nice not to have that mind that says, I don't feel like it, or why should I do it, or they should take care of themselves, or they owe me something, why should I help them again? Wouldn't it be nice not to have that mind always standing up and, you know, making a, a, commo a commotion? Yeah. I told you about hesitating to help take this one monk uh, take the garbage cans up the hill. Yeah, that's what my mind was doing. But, 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 he, he's not going to like you. He's going to think you're interfering. 
he's you're not gonna scold me because that's what he's done in the past and na 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 you know and here was this one nice thought and what did I do I squashed it yeah so there's so often you know kind of one nice thought and then we self-centeredness comes up forget it okay so surely whenever there is suffering the sufferers must protect themselves from it yet the suffering of the foot is not that of the hand why then does one protect the other it's just my foot doesn't look where it's going yeah it stepped on the rusty nail it's your own fault Take the nail out yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Reach your other foot over and put the nail between two toes and pull it out. <laughs> Verse 100. Okay. So although this may not be justified, okay, it is done because of grasping at a self. Okay. You know, why? Yeah, it may not be justified that I... Uh, you know, don't help somebody, but it's done because of a grasp at a self. Yeah, so that's it. It sounds like a good excuse. Now we want everybody to say, oh, yeah, you have self-grasping. No problem. I have it too. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> but your self-grasping is worse than mine. Your self-centeredness is more selfish than mine. Okay. And then Shantideva says, Yet surely whatever is not justified for myself or others should at all costs be rejected. So instead of saying, Well, it may not be justified that I make an excuse and get out of doing something that I don't want to do. It may not be justified, but it's okay. And Shantideva says, Whatever is not justified for me or others should be rejected at all costs. In other words, don't give me that excuse. Yeah, I said that, and it's like, oh, I heard my parents say that. <laughs> yeah, those ex- do, you, do you have that? Don't give me that excuse. <laughs> Why, Mom? It's the truth. Yeah, my brother did it. He's always the one. Okay, so whatever is not helpful should be rejected at all costs, even if we can talk others into believing it. Yeah, like this guy on trial, you know, he was trying to talk the jurors into believing that he did not uh, kill his wife and his son. You know? It was a very strange trial because there was no circumstantial evidence. They figured it all out because of when her her cell phone was taken, at last turned on where there were pings from his cell phone, where, uh, the, you know, um, how they have 
things on roads now that measure your speed, how fast you're going, and so they could track his car. I mean, all this kind of evidence, which is all circumstantial, you know, but on that basis, they found him guilty. So it's going to be very interesting in the future now to see how much, uh, you know, court cases are going going to depend on technology and not on testimony. Mm-hmm. Okay, 101. Such things as a continuum and an aggregation are false in the same way as prayer beads and an army. There is no real owner of suffering. Therefore, who has control over it? So Shanti is talking to us here. You know, we're making excuses. You know, it's not me in the future life, you know, this kind of thing. Or it is me. So it's if if it means sacrificing what I have now to take care of future life, you know, it it's not me. If it's uh yeah, you know, so so just forget it. Or if a person thinks, my old age is really important, so I'm going to, you know, really invest and make a lot of money and, and squirrel it away so that if I'm born as a squirrel, I can say there was that tendency already, except the money isn't going to do me any good when I'm a squirrel. Yeah, I'm going to rot those old raspberries instead. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to want the little bits of of cookies that people discarded. How can they discard cookies or crackers? Yeah. Squirrels, they like crackers. Chomp, 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 chomp. Okay. So such things as a continuum and an aggregation are false in the same way as prayer beads in an army. Okay, when we look, when you take out your mala, okay, it looks like one thing, doesn't it? Here's my mala. Uh, It's one thing, one thing, and it is a mala. But when you look closer, there's actually 108 beads or 111, you know, or, or 98, depending who strung it. And if they can count very well, you know, okay. But it's actually just a collection of beads put in a certain shape, okay. So it's false. Yeah, it's false because it's not one thing. It's just a whole, it's a whole collection of beads and a string, yeah, so it's false, but I don't relate to it like it's false. I relate to it like it's one thing, because I don't sit there when I'm saying mantra and move one beat at a time. Yeah, I click my my mala or my clicker. Yeah, okay, and uh. Okay, 
prayer beads and an army. Similar, similarly, like now we're talking about the Russian army, the Ukrainian army. It's one thing. Yeah, the U.S. Army. Oh, excuse me, the U.S. Navy. That, that's the important one, right? Yeah. First the Navy. Yeah. Then the Marines come in. Then the Army comes in. Then the Air Force comes in. Uh, yeah. Then, you know, they come back and they want more millions of dollars because they spent their last billions of dollars and it all got blown up and destroyed. So we need more money to build more things that we can destroy. Perfectly reasonable, isn't it? Yeah? When you think about war, it's so reasonable. Reasonable to whom? Okay, yeah. War is very good for business. If you're the ones selling the armaments, if you're the ones receiving the armaments, armaments when they're being shot, you're, you're not so fortunate. But, okay. So an army, again, is just an aggregation of people. And yet we think about it as one thing. Yeah. Because this is how we, we, we don't realize that we're the ones designating something, you know, that we're the ones putting these parts together to make an object and then designating it. We think instead that there's an object there that's already put together, that's already that thing, and we're just coming along and seeing it. Yeah, we don't see that it's a gathering of so many different parts, and that our mind is putting it together and giving it a name. You know, it's, it's very interesting if you study um, uh, child psychology with infants. Yeah, infants do not see, just even with their eyes, you know, things the same way as adults do. Yeah, they'll see colors and shapes. Yeah. But part of your education as an infant is learning to put different colors and shapes together and then seeing it as a whole object, as one discrete object. But when you're a baby, you can't do that. Yeah? I mean, that's why they have the, the little um, things above your crib, you know, with the different colored things. Yeah? And the the baby just sees colors and shapes floating around in space. And they can't, you know, they can't. You put it there so that the baby looks at it. And then slowly it will start to realize, oh, they're attached. And it's one thing. You know, oh, what do we, what do we call that? A mobile. Mobile. Mobile? Automobile. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. So, so it's quite, quite interesting how there's things that are just basic, you know, aggregations that we see as one object. What's quite interesting in this is we can look and say, oh yeah, an army is just a group of people. A sangha is just a group of individuals. Yeah. Our mala 
as just a group of beads. But, yeah, when we say it's just thing, meaning that's kind of the base of, of designation. But when we think about I, we don't think I am just a collection of different factors that has been looked at and conceived and given the name person. And yet, actually, you know, just with the body, I mean, now that you, you've been doing uh, four establishments mindfulness, you know, you see when you focus, have you been focusing on each organ? You know, each beautiful organ, you know, it's that, that liver, my stomach, my gallbladder. Where's my gallbladder? Which side? This side? This side, next to my appendix, yeah, and then my regular bladder. Oh, thank goodness for that one, and the long intestine and the short intestine, you know. And all when we say body, all it is is it's like a mala, you know. It's just different parts put together, and there's no body in there. It's just different parts. And when we say, so we say, okay, yeah, 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 my body's like that. But my mind is one mind. You know, I'm not, um, what's it called? Uh, where you double, multiple personality. I have one mind, not many minds. Okay. And we feel like, oh yeah, I am my mind, one mind. Okay. Don't we? Yeah. But when you look, yeah, what's that one mind? It's a hob job of, when a hob, hob, hodgepodge, thank you, hodgepodge of all sorts of different thoughts and moods and feelings. But we don't see it as an aggregation like a mala or an army. We see it as my mind. And that, by the way, is me. Yeah. Yeah. There's one me. Yeah. And I am my mind. Hmm? Yeah. I mean, my mind goes on to Buddhahood. It must be me. Yeah. See, there is something that's really me. You've been negating this the whole time. I found something. Yeah. Then which me? Yeah, your is it your subtlest clear light? Is that who you are? Yeah, are you your subtlest clear light mind that only manifests at the time of death, if you're an ordinary being? Yes, uh, I, I must be that. <laughs> what in the world is a subtlest clear mind? And how come it isn't hanging around now? You know, if that's me, then it, and then, and it's what goes from one life to the next, then it should be here right now. <laughs> so, so such things as a continuum and an aggregation are false a continuum. 
mental continuum, for example, aggregation, the aggregation of body parts. Okay, so those things are false in the same way as prayer beads and an army. The prayer beads are not the mala. The, the individual soldiers are not the army. Okay, there is no real owner of suffering. Therefore, who has control over it? Whoa, what do you mean there's no real owner of suffering? But when you look, who, who's the owner of that suffering? When you say, this is my suffering. Yeah, my whatever hurts. Yeah, my little toe hurts. That's who owns the suffering of the little toe, is the little toe. And I own it too, because when my little toe hurts, I, I can't walk. It just hurts too much. Get me a wheelchair. Yeah. Get me a foot brace. Get me some get well cards. Yeah, how about a bouquet of flowers? Yeah, there is an owner to the pain of my little toe. The little toe owns the pain. Yeah, it's a little toe. I'm, I'm suffering. Yeah, so what do you say to your little toe? Shut up. Nobody asked for your opinion. Little toes are to be seen, not heard. Oh. Okay, so there's no real owner when you look. Who is it? Who is the mine? Who is the my that owns the suffering? Yeah? When we search for it, we can't find it, but we're sure it's there somewhere. Why? Because I feel it. Yeah. So I don't feel like it, and I feel like it, or I feel it. These are our two primary things, you know. How, how you know, how, why are you sad? I feel sad. Yeah. I feel it. The sadness is there. Where? Where's the sadness? It's there. <laughs> Where? Okay. So, there is no real owner of suffering. So if there's no real owner of suffering, yeah, when you do ultimate analysis, therefore, who has control over it? If there's nobody it belongs to, who, does, who controls it? Yeah, somebody, there's a rubber bands on the street. They don't belong to anybody, so nobody cares about them. Except me, I pick them up because I'm always short on rubber bands. <laughs> but nobody else picks up the rubber bands. <laughs> okay, because they don't belong to me. But it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, who does the suffering belong to? 
Who does the happiness belong to? Who's the one who's experiencing it? What is the experience? How do you know that you're sad? How do you know that you're happy? Yeah, what's the basis of designation for sad and the basis of designation for happy? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so we'll stop here. Any questions, comments? So they're on the question of there being no owner of the suffering. Um, I experience, I have, my mental consciousness experiences the, the pain in my body. Mm-hmm. I don't experience the pain in another person's body. Mm-hmm. Um, for a Buddha or someone who's more realized, uh, they would experience other people's pain as much as their own. Um, Say that last bit again. Would a realized being or a Buddha experience other people's suffering as much as their own? Um, or, to, or just see that as just labeled part of this? Because con- they're still separate mental continuums. Yeah. Yeah. Should they know on a conventional level, it's different. But they know that there's no real owner of that suffering in the other person in the same way that there's no real owner of the suffering in themselves. Yeah. So all, on an ultimate level, you can't distinguish. Yeah. On a conventional level, you know, when my little toe hurts, you don't go to the, the doctor. Yeah. Although we could try it. Yeah. <laughs> I remember there's a really good documentary called Why We Fight mm-hmm. that describes all the money and how our entire economy is so dependent on war. Mm-hmm. And it's really good. I really recommend it. Yeah. So always when I read this verse about, um, so I have another translation, but uh, 18, uh, 98. So the one, uh, the conceptualization thinking that I shall experience that is wrong. The person who died does is one and that's reborn is another. Uh, can you read it again slowly? <laughs> I was supposed to have a ma. Yeah, sir. Oh. Yeah. Ninety-eight. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Yes. So the conceptualization thinking that I shall experience that is wrong. The person who died uh, does is one, and that reborn is another. Mm-hmm. So uh, we we essentially refuted this argument in a way. No, in, in the discussion that we had now. No, you said the conceptualization. Read the first part again. The conceptualization, thinking that I shall experience that is wrong. Yeah. Okay. From, yeah. When, when yeah. So that's why sometimes we, we don't want to help make preparations for future lives because that's another person. Yeah. So that's a wrong conception that, you know, because there is the continuum. Okay. For it's another person who dies and another person who, who will be reborn. You know, we're saying that because we're trying to deny that there's a continuum. But there's a continuum of the general I, and that general I is, you know, merely designated on its basis of designation. That's the conception. So so essentially, so this is, in this way, you're kind of refuting what Shantideva is saying here. 
Am I right no, understanding it, that, or am I, am I messing? No, but the, the, this is our selfish mind speaking. This one. Yeah. Oh, this is not a reply of Shanti. No. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you. At least that's how I'm reading it. I, I was seeing, you know, he has these. I have Stephen Batchelor's um, copy, and he has yeah. these long dashes on the sides of. Yeah, the and, long dashes are supposed to be what our self self centered right, mind is. Right. And so I read the second two lines of ninety seven and all of ninety eight as the wisdom mind mm -hmm. saying. Oh, it is saying that hey, if if you don't want to help others. Then why do you help your yeah, future yeah, self? Yeah. Because you're not going to feel that anyway. Sure. Yeah. Sure. You could read it either okay. way, I think. Okay. Because this, this is an internal dialogue. And so if you're having that dialogue with yourself, you know, well, why should I protect them? Their suffering doesn't cause me harm. Then your wisdom mind says, but, you know, why protect myself against future suffering if it causes me no harm now? But, you know, it's funny, at least for me, I don't know, I can read these verses either way, you know. So maybe you can, yeah, read it the other way. Yeah, because often when I read it, I read it the way you're doing it, the wisdom mind speaking to me. Yeah, I'm talking to myself. But then sometimes, you know, when I read it the other way, it's like, oh, well... Yeah, according to the way I'm thinking right now, uh, I won't. I don't help others because they're different than me. So why should I take care of my future lives? And they're different from me. It's the same argument. Yeah. So I think, at least my way, I think you can read it either way. Yeshila, do you have ideas? Because I'm not using a commentary to, yeah. Yeah, the, I, I didn't look at what the commentary says, but from how it's presented here, it looks like, like Venerable Lobson uh, interpreted it, particularly based on the cue being given here with the dashes. Mm -hmm. uh, the f first two. Lines of ninety-seven stanza yeah. is the self-centered mind, mm -hmm. and then the rest of the ninety-seven and the whole of ninety-eight seems to be yeah. Right, that's the response to it. The response, yeah. yeah. And it's funny because usually that's how I read it, like that's the response to it. But then I realize that you know, to actually, you could uh, use it to bolster your false argument too. Yeah. Probably better to read it. As yeah, we even have expressions uh, when coming to certain texts, which could be interpreted so many different ways, and still mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah. We said, look, it is a text with 100 systems built into it. <laughs> so, but one has to be consistent in following one system. One could pull it up, but then if you want, you could look at it another way. And then a whole co coherent system will come out after that. Mm -hmm. So, uh, that's very possible. <laughs> Everybody here, okay? Yeah. So, okay. Good. Let's dedicate then. <laughs> 